1: As-salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Ashadu an la ilaha illa wa ashadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasul. Brothers and sisters, as-salamu <laughs> alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Firstly, I'd like to uh concur with the chair and thank you for taking time out to come to this event Masha'Allah, it's a very nice day today. It's probably a nice day to take your kids to the park and something like that. Uh, we've taken time out to attend uh, a No Muhammad event. Uh, so may Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala reward you for taking that time out. Um, I've been invited to uh, discuss my journey to Islam. Some of the factors and the rationale which resulted in me making a decision which to some extent changed my life. Um, But before I begin with my story, I would like to add a small disclaimer. Because I've been to some weaver talks before, and they're quite exciting. You know, someone will talk about their life prior to Islam, you know, their father left them when they were about six years old, or they got hooked on drugs, or um, they got involved in a life of crime, got involved with drugs. And it's a really exciting kind of a story. Um, And you get sucked in, it's like you want to find out what happens at the end. You know, someone who shows courage in the face of adversity. Um, My disclaimer is, to be honest, my story isn't um, that exciting. Or um, I don't think it is anyway, yeah? I'll let you be the judge of that. Um, Because I was born in an ordinary house with normal... Two-parent family uh, in an ordinary town. If Coventry could be considered as uh, um, uh, like like that, um, and I used to live, um, I spent most of my life living on a street called Church Street. You know, it's a very apt name for a street, Church Street, um, because it's a small street. But at the end of my street, there was a church, so you know, it makes sense to for it to be called Church Street. But behind that church, there was another church. And behind that church, there was the masjid. Right opposite my house, and I'm talking about right opposite my house, was the gudwara. Behind the gudwara, there was the um, a Polish church. Behind there, there was a mandir. And there was another church, another masjid, all within about five minutes' walk from my uh, from my house. So, like I said, it's... a uh, It was almost like it was a place of worship, Church Street was, to some extent. Um, But I think the weird thing was, um, was that although I had all these places of worship uh, within walking distance from me, religion didn't really play much of an important um, role in my life. Um, I don't think I had any real firm belief in the existence of a Creator. I think, in reality, what it was for me was that I probably didn't eat beef or at least I didn't bring beef in the house. And if you ask me who I was, I would say that, well, my parents are Hindu, so most likely that is what I am as well. So I'm just living life like anybody else would live life in a secular society. You just want to enjoy yourself, you just want to um, have a bit of fun. And as you're growing up, you start to experiment a little bit. So, you know, one time you comb your hair from that side, next time you'll be combing your hair from the other side, um, you'll probably listen to different kinds of music, you'll wear different kinds of clothes, and really what you're trying to do is you're trying to carve out for yourself an identity. I think by the time I got to sixth form, my identity was quite clear in my mind. Um, I don't know if anyone, I mean, most of you might have been to school and might have even been to sixth form, but you know when you walk into the common room and You look around, you see that groupings have become naturally established within that common room. So you look in one corner, and you've got the good looking girls and guys that they hang around together. You look in the other corner, and you've got like, you know, your nerds and your swats that are always studying, they've got their nose in the books, and they're the ones that are doing A-level physics and A-level maths, and things which were beyond um, the majority of us. Then you've got your other corner, and in that corner I think it's, I can't find the word, but when I was growing growing up it was blur and oasis. So they were into the blur and oasis, I don't know what what the word is, but they have a certain look about them. Um, You know, they grow their hair long, their clothes are a bit loose and scruffy kind of um, is the word that kind of comes to mind. And then in the other corner you've got your Asian crowd. And the Asian crowd is like, you know, mostly Sikhs and Hindus, a few Muslims thrown in the mix as well. but they all have something in common. And what they have in common was a language, um, a skin colour, similar taste in music, similar movies which they kind of um, watch. And they all came from the Indian subcontinent con- as well. So, when I walked into that sixth form, I'm attracted to that group. It's like a magnet, is pulling me towards that group. Um, I was part of the Asian crowd. I was the Punjabi of the Asian crowd. So now, practically speaking, what did that mean for me? It meant that if you met me then, and you asked me how I was, I'd be like, uh, and along those kind of lines here. Um If you asked me how I spent my Saturday, it would be that I, w- I may go out on something in the-, in the morning, but I had to get back for two o'clock. Because Network East was going to come on at two o'clock. And everyone had to get back for Network East because it was the only Asian program that would come on the TV uh, during that particular time. Not, not now when you've got your sky and stuff like that. I'd also try and look the part. So I can remember, even if I feel at the back of my ear now, I can feel the little um, bump where my earring used to be, my gold earring. Um, I remember growing my hair long, not that I could join the goths or, or that, that grouping, but You grew it long, and then it was all the rage to have like this wavy perm. So I had this wavy perm put into my hair uh, at that particular time as well. Um, And then there was the music. (coughs) And music was a big part of my life at that particular time. I had to buy everything. The latest Bangla CD, the latest Bollywood CD, your DCS, your Malkit Singh, Abhinah Sangeet, I think it's um, Imran Khan now or something, um, what the kids are, are playing in their cars. Um, but to some extent, my life was like a Bangor track. Now, Bangor track, I don't know if you... Uh, I hope you don't know too much about them yet. Um, but they have a certain theme about them. They're either about guriyah, about girls, or they're about Najana, about dancing, or they're about sharab, about drinking. And sometimes you would have all three of them thrown into the same song as well. Um, and I think that's why I used to like going to weddings. Because weddings was that time, yeah, where... You know, you'd have the women and they'd be dressed in their fancy clothes, caked with um, eyeliner and all that type of stuff. Um, there'd be open bar, you could drink whatever you want. There'd be some live band playing in the front. So you can drink and dance and eat until you drop. And um, sometimes um, that happened. Um, anyway, I was, at, I was doing my A-levels, I finished my A-levels, and I got a place at UCL um, in London. Uh, so I went to university. So now here I am going to university. And I'm there and I'm seeking this Asian crowd. I'm looking to take that Asian adventure to the next level. So I'm there and I'm looking, you know, like a radar. Brown faces, brown faces, where are they, where are they? Um, And then I I was there in my course and I found some. So I went over and thought, all right, I'll introduce myself. So I went, you know, how are you? My name's Raj, what's your name? And the first person comes back and says, my name's Sajid. Next person, my name's Wasim. The next person, my name's Feroz. The third person, my name's Wasim. I think Wasim was a common name for my course here. (laughs) So I thought to myself, okay, Muslims. But that's fine. They're brown, they're Asian, I'll hang around with them. And, right and such, they rhyme, don't they? So that's a good start. That's that's bound to be a good start. Um, Then at university, it's about fresh as and I'm there at Freshers' Fair and I'm joining the societies. I'm joining every Asian society that exists. So I'm joining the Hindu society, the Sikh society, the Asian society, the Bangor society, the Islamic society. Um, now that may sound a bit strange, but for me, it was all the same. There was no difference. They were Asian just like I was Asian. So I was working on the principle If you spread the net out wide, then you can always bring it in afterwards. And um, one of my friends um, from my course, he says, oh, the Islamic society having an event, do you want to come? So I thought, well, I ain't got anything else to do. I'll just go to this talk, the Islamic society talk. And the talk was um, proof of the existence of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And I went there, and it was strange. Because this is a talk in which religion was the dominant factor. And it dominated over language, or culture, or skin colour, or anything like. So it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Um, but it was fascinating nonetheless. Because I don't think I knew too much about Islam at that particular time. I knew that Muslims they pray five times a day. I knew that um, Ramadan, they would fast. And this was related to the, the sighting of the moon, which, uh, which is still an issue now, the sighting of the moon, inshallah we'll find that in a few months time. Um, and as far as I was concerned, all Muslims, they came from Pakistan. Everyone came from Pakistan who was Muslim. So Makkah was a district in Lahore for all I knew, Yet, But now for the first time in my life, I'm finding out about Islam. I'm finding that people are expressing a commitment to a religion. That people's lives and their behavior is shaped by a religion. That there's women, and they're wearing khimar and jilbab, And there's men, and they're walking out in the middle of a lecture to pray asab because the time is running short. So there was none of this boys checking out the girls, and the girls checking out the boys like you had in the clubs Or with all the other society events that I I went to. They didn't even um, look at each other. Never mind, um, speak with each other. So for me now, this is a culture shock. Because this is not the Asian culture that I knew. Yet these people, they had brown skin like I had brown skin. These people were able to speak Punjabi better than me. Because I was never that good at speaking it anyway. Um, So I tried to ignore it, but it was intriguing. And I think for the first time, I'm starting to question myself. What is my identity? What is my label that I have on my garment? Why is it that I choose to wear this label? Was I Asian? Because my friends were Asian. Was I Hindu? Because my parents were Hindu. Was I British? Because I was born here. Who am I? What impact does this play in my life? You know, for 21 years, it was an irrelevant question. It wasn't even an important question for me. Because my life was shaped by one idea. That life is about enjoying yourself. So as long as you are happy, then you have that enjoyment. And so my first year at university, it finishes. And now I start my second year. And I end up living with some of my Muslim friends. And you know, sometimes when we're sitting there, they talk to me about Islam. That Islam is the truth. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He exists. That the Qur'an is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I remember one conversation that I had and this conversation sticks to my mind and the brother he asked me a question and in reality it's a simple question it's not a difficult question Um, but I think it was probably the most profound question that I had um, been asked in my life up until that particular moment and like I said it's not a difficult question he just asked me to describe myself how do I identify myself And I remember saying, well, of course I'm Asian, aren't I? And he said to me, okay, what if you were born into a white Christian family? Would you still be Asian? And I remember sitting there thinking, he's right. He's he's onto something here. What if I was born into a different family?
0: What if my skin color was different? Then when I walked
1: into that sixth form, Which grouping would I have gone into? Granted, I still wouldn't have gone with the good-looking boys and girls, but would I have been attracted like a magnet to that Asian crowd? Would I have found myself into a different grouping? Which grouping should I belong to? This was something that was going on in my mind at that particular um, moment. By chance, I happened to be born into an Asian household. So my life was all about... um, um, G.T. Road and, and, and the like, Yet, yeah. um, But what if I was born into a white Christian family? My life could have been so much different. I may have been sitting in a room, having a discussion in an EDL meeting about how to cleanse these areas of Asians and blacks. What was my identity? Should it be shaped by the color of my skin? Should it be shaped by the place where I was born? Things that I had no control over. Or should it be shaped by something much more deeper? Something much more profound? Something much more enlightened? Something that could not have come about by chance? Should I have arrived at my existence, my belief through thinking and contemplation? Who am I? What am I doing here? Where am I going to go to when I die? These were questions now that were being, uh, which were arising in my mind. And what I found, was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He addressed these questions. He answered these questions for me in the Quran. He subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, He began the creation of man from clay. Then he made his offspring from despised fluid. Then he fashioned him in due proportion, breathed into him the soul, gave you hearing, gave you sight, gave you hearts. Yet little thanks do you give. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, he addressed my question, where did I come from? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he also said, I have created jinn and man for no reason except that they should worship me. So in this ayat of Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he addressed the purpose of my existence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he also said, Allah gives you life, then causes you to die. Then he will assemble you on your al-Qiyamah, upon which there is no doubt. But most of mankind, they know not. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he also addressed what would happen to me when I die. So irrespective of my birthplace, irrespective of my skin colour irrespective of my language, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he created me. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he created me to worship him. And that after I die, I will be brought back to life again. And that I will be resurrected and held to account for my belief and my deeds. And brothers and sisters, that's the case for all of us who sit here today. And that is the case for the millions upon millions that have come before us. And that will be the case for the millions upon millions that may come after us. And that is the most profoundest of thoughts. That through thinking, we can arrive at the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Brothers and sisters, we don't have blind faith in Islam. It doesn't matter that you may have been born and raised in a Muslim household. We have to arrive at belief. We have to contemplate about our existence. And that is how we build that strength of Iman in our hearts. So now my journey to Islam is well and truly begun. So I'm attending more talks now. I'm asking more questions now. I'm addressing my own preconceived ideas. I was slave to the society. The society told me to enjoy my life. So I was enjoying it. The society told me that after you die, you turn to dust. So enjoy your life. So my life was spent seeking that enjoyment. But the society was wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he created me. I shouldn't be slave to the society, but I should be Abdullah, the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So after reflection and contemplation, I realized that Islam was the truth. I had to worship that creator that brought me into existence. And midway through my third year at university, I took my shahad. So alhamdulillah now, I've gone from a narrow cultural viewpoint on life to now being linked with 1.6 billion Muslims around the globe. Muslims whose skin was black, Muslims whose skin was white, Muslims who came from the Far East, who came from Europe, who came from Arabia, who came from Africa. We didn't share the same skin colour, we didn't share the same language or, or or place of birth. But we were united by something much more deeper, something much more enlightened, and that was La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Tamam. Had- <inaudible> so Islam, it gave me a clear identity. It took me out of darkness and brought me into light. It united me with individuals from many different nations. I could never have imagined my life taking this direction. But Islam gave me this direction. Islam gave me purpose and direction to my life. You know, identity, it's a massive discussion in the world today. Because in Europe, we're witnessing the rise of far-right fascist movements. We've seen politicians in Britain competing with each other on who can be the firmest against immigration. We've got newspapers, Daily Mail, for example, leading with front-page headlines. Immigrants from Eastern Europe set to swamp into Britain, taking your jobs, taking your money, marrying your women, etc., etc. We've got football. We've got footballers who discriminate against each other on the basis of skin color. And unfortunately, in, the, in our own community, we are affected by some of these traits as well. Nationalism, tribalism, racism, and the like. Yet in the sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, we've got the solution to all these issues. Because the Prophet وسلم, he was firm in against these issues. Firm against anything that would pollute the identity of the Muslim. He gave us a clear identity. In what Batul in the final sermon, Rasulullah said, All mankind is from Adam and Eve. An Arab has no superiority over a non-Arab, nor a non-Arab has any superiority over an Arab. Also, a white has no superiority over a black, nor a black has any superiority over a white, except by saqwa, by piety. And good actions. Learn that every Muslim is the brother of every other Muslim and that the Muslims, they constitute one brotherhood. And we know that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he practically demonstrated this as well, that he created the brotherhood between the warring tribes of Banu Aus and Banu Khasraj. They used to be at war for decades, but he united them and collectively they became known as the Ansar, united on the basis of the Aqidah of Islam. That Rasul ﷺ was also able to create brotherhood between the Ansar and the Muhajirin, the Muslims that migrated from Makkah to the Islamic State in Medina. And this unity was created on the basis of Islam. So really we should ask ourselves, what is our identity? Is our identity in line with that which Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi So when I look in the mirror in the morning, what is it that I see? Do I see a Bengali? Do I see a Pakistani? Do I see an Arab? Do I see a Somali? So, do I see someone that's not concerned about the plight of this Ummah? Do I see someone that regards himself as British born and bred? Who shows loyalty to Queen and his country above Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Do I see someone that considers himself an ethnic minority? Because that's a term that you know when we have to fill in a form and we have to tick a box, it's the ethnic minority form. Or do we consider ourselves to be part of the majority, linked to one point six billion Muslims around the globe, all yearning to seek the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gave you clear identity. He gave you the Quran. He gave you the sunnah of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa He gave you a complete way of life. He gave us Islam, and he called us Muslims. You know, there'll be individuals who will try to rob you of your identity, who'll be happy if you restrict your Islam to your personal ibadah, and that in your life, you adopt a secular lifestyle. Times are tough. You may want to bury your head in the sand. You may want to change your name from Muhammad to Malcolm or from Aisha to Angela. But you should be proud of your Islam. You should be proud of your identity and not allow it to be robbed from you. Never feel ashamed that you are part of the Ummah of Muhammad Because, brothers and sisters... A time will come where all this, it comes to an end. And we'll find ourselves in our graves. And the questioner will come. And the questioner will ask us questions pertaining to our identity. Who was your love? What was your deen? Who was your Nabi? And then we will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold us to account. He will judge us. And if we remain firm on our Islamic identity, if we remain firm to the commands and prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we sought the pressure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all our deeds, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised us a great reward, an immense reward. He subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised those who believe And do righteous deeds that he will admit them into gardens under which the rivers flow. And brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he finishes by saying that that is the supreme success. Walhamdulillah.